You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome everyone to the PJS cast. I'm your um, fill-in host, Dylan, for today. And uh, joining us as our, our guest from the Wing Wheel podcast, Brad Crisco. Uh, Brad, how you doing today? I'm not doing too bad. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, great, great to have you. Um, season starting, it's a new season. It's kind of like the first day of school. It's fun stuff. Um, first, I just wanted to ask uh, kind of how your off-season's been. I mean, it's it was a short, shorter off-season than what we usually have, so... Uh, got any time to you know spend with the kids and whatnot and just relax <laughs> oh yeah well first half of the off season was spent in lockdown so spent a ton of time with the kids so <laughs> i love them but uh when the rinks open back up and the gyms open back up and my work open back up it was kind of nice to get out of the house and then you know had training camp for my own hockey and first exhibition game and all that so i've been on the ice a ton which has been refreshing and then, uh, yeah, now it's, that's done. Kids are, one of the kids is in school and now the NHL is getting back in swing. So I feel like I'm like two weeks away from feeling normal. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. It's like, it's like everything's slowly starting to come back. And I feel like when we start to see full, full or not full crowds, but just fans in the stands in general, again, that's going to be a huge difference. And um, I feel like it's an exciting season to be a Red Wings fan. I mean, there's, it's like almost all the albatross contracts are out and it's like, there's a bunch of youth coming in. Uh, I really like the moves they made at the draft this year. I just, I, I'm kind of curious on what your thoughts are going into camp this year. Uh, um, it's certainly different than <laughs> the last few years uh, because you know, the Red Wings throughout this rebuild so far have held the distinction of being one of the oldest teams in the league, which is, not what you want to see in the middle of a rebuild. You know, you got Valtteri Filippola and Luke Lindenning and Darren Helm and Franz Nielsen. <laughs> Franz Nielsen parading out there every night. And we know exactly what level of bad they all are. And, you know, you get they have their moments. But going into the last few seasons, we knew the Red Wings would be bad. And we knew exactly how and why they would be bad. This year, 
I'm pretty sure they're going to be bad, but I don't know how or why, which is exciting because it's, (laughs) this is the first season the youth movement has really started because those four guys I listed off, they're all gone. We're expecting Mo Sider and maybe one or two other young guys to step in. Giovanni Smith's probably looking at a full-time spot. Rasmussen's getting a full season. Zadina's going to probably get a full season on the top line. There's always injuries, so I imagine we're going to get, you know, a handful of games of Joe Valeno, Lucas Raymond, Jonathan Bergeron at some point, which obviously they're going to be so few games. They have no impact on the season as a whole, but just to see them when they're in the lineup, it's going to be the most exciting part of that game. So, like I said, it's a younger team now. Uh, it's not a good team. Um, and then that doesn't even include Nedeljkovic in net, yeah. which is he's on the younger side and coming off a huge season, but God knows if that's sustainable. So again, in terms of the standings, optimism, very low, but the level <laughs> of uncertainty around this team is actually refreshing. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it, it kind of, it, it's like, it's, there's no change almost. It's like you went from the central last year that had, Florida, Carolina, and Tampa. And it's like, well, you get to still play Florida and Tampa, but now you get the Leafs in Boston too. It's like, man, it's just a tough, tough deal, tough deal for the Red Wings this year. But yeah, the Red I, Wings are battling for fifth this year. That's 100%. That it's going to be like them, Ottawa, and Montreal just in the mix. And I think it could be an interesting mix for sure, especially if they get goaltending. Like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, the betting favorite there is Montreal, but I, I am not high on Montreal. I, me neither. I, I have them firmly <laughs> outside of the playoffs in my projections. And again, I don't think Detroit or, or Ottawa are anything special either, but every year there's always that one team that comes out of absolute nowhere that nobody expected. And God knows who it'll be this year. It could be one of them. I don't think it will be, but it could be. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so I, I kind of had a question specifically about um, Zadina. Cause I feel like Zadina's kind of had um, everyone was expecting big things right out the shoot. And, you know, every player develops differently. He's had time in the A's had time in the, in the majors. I've seen him score a couple goals in the Blackhawks, of course, because, you know, that's just the way it goes. But um, he's got a wicked shot and I feel like he was kind of starting to come into his own a little more. So, I mean, I heard you say he's, he's probably gonna get top line minutes. I mean, he's got to be have probably a huge role this year and you should expect big things. Right. I mean, well, well, I'll preface this by saying um, of all the things in the Red Wings organization, I have the least faith in coaching is at the top of that list. So whether or not Zena plays on the top line <laughs> or who his line mates are going to be, I will leave that up to time. Yeah. Um, but towards the end of last season, Zadina, I want to say actually for a good chunk of last season, Sedina played on the top line. And when uh, Jacob Brana came over, they showed some really good chemistry immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, the, the checkmates nickname was flying around. <laughs> um, but no, it was Zadina. If at the end of every Red Wings game last year, you had to pick who was the best player that game. Zadina probably would have got the most games last year. He was good. He was unbelievably unlucky he was finding new and creative ways to not score (laughs) every night missing the net on one timers hitting the post having like a defenseman picking up like open net backdoor defenseman pitching out of the air like that kind of terrible luck (laughs) it was it was if we didn't feel so sad for him it would actually be kind of funny just how bad his luck was but it did help us focus on two aspects of his game that we probably otherwise wouldn't have really paid 
super close attention to because he wasn't scoring goals last year. Like I mentioned, he, he had some, and he had some really nice ones and he had a couple that no other player on the Red Wings outside of maybe Verona could even make just on the way he tore his body to yeah. take a shot or whatever it might be. He's probably the best playmaker on the Red Wings. And I don't think he gets credit for that around the league because he's billed as a shooter. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, best playmaker on the Red Wings, low bar. I understand that. Because <laughs> even the Red Wings, the unskilled team they are, good playmakers are the number one thing they're lacking. So, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. But he was easily the top of that list for the Red Wings last year. And he was finding all the right seams at all the right times. He was skating guys open. He was, you know, faking defensemen, using his eyes to divert their stick, other words, other in another direction, and then make that pass. It it was unbelievable how good his playmaking was. And as someone who scouted him really heavily in his draft year, I did not see this level of playmaking coming. You always knew it was something he had in his back pocket as, hey, this is probably league average to maybe a bit above league average. And he kicked that door down. And two... <laughs> He's got a little bit of Datsuk in him, and I'm not talking about skill. He is a hound and a menace on the puck. Um, it's an underrated asset, honestly. Board battles, steals, defensive zone awareness. He he is an excellent, excellent two-way forward. Again, knew it was something he had in his bag. Didn't think it would be this good. So it, it's funny the way things work out. I thought he was this elite-level goal scorer with average playmaking and average you know, two-way ability, and he's this average goal scorer with above-average playmaking and above-average two-way play. At least that's what's been yeah. what happened last year. So I, I'm, I think Zadina is going to have a big year. I think if a few bounces go his way and he can spend a whole year or close to a whole year with Vrana and a, a capable center, like if I'm building the Red Wings, my first line's Larkin, Vrana, Zadina, and I don't oh, touch what a great whole year. <laughs> um, if something like that happens, yeah, I don't think a 50, 60 point season is out of the range for Zadina. And it's just, it's all there. It just hasn't clicked yet. Yeah. And if, from what it sounds like, um, I don't know if this is like a comparison, but um, at least from what I heard from Red Wings fans, Capo Caco was kind of the same way this year where the chances weren't going in. But in terms of just actually driving play and winning those battles in the corners, he was there and he was actually proving that he could he was more than capable of being a, a really good NHL player. So that, that kind of stuff excites you. And, you know, they're right on the cusp of that. Like you said, just a little bit of puck luck and he'll probably have like 20 goals, 30 assists or something with, especially playing with Rana because Rana is just such an underrated goal scorer and he wasn't utilized like that in Washington because they had Ovechkin and now he's going to be the shot. So it's like, Oh yeah. It's going to be fun to see how, just how much Rana does differently than he does in Washington with that. Um, He's just going to have the opportunity now. You know what I mean? Like he looked fantastic for the Red Wings last year towards the end. It Eight was... goals in 11 games. <laughs> like, it doesn't get better than that. Jeez. And then the extension was fantastic too. Yeah. Uh, I, I was curious as a, your thoughts on Pia Suter, because as a Blackhawks fan, I thought he was fantastic last year for what role we were putting him in. He was kind of like the Anisimov to, between Kane and Debrinket, just chasing the puck. And he had a great net front presence. And, uh, I'm just kind of curious where you think he slots in the lineup this year, because I could definitely see him in like a middle six role on the team. And um, he's a guy who's definitely shown a goal scoring ability. So, <laughs> so it's funny where he slots into this lineup. I think every Red Wings fan has already penciled what the second line is going to be. 
One, because Suter is pretty much the only option for second line center. Everybody, every other center beyond Larkin is just not a top six forward by any stretch of the imagination. And two, the Red Wings have, um, so it's pretty close to here. When uh, Suter played in the OHL, he played with Guelph um, and they went on a championship. They won the Memorial Cup the year he was there. And Guelph's top line that year when they won the championship was Pia Suter, Robbie Fabry, and Tyler Bertuzzi. Oh my God, I totally forgot about that. So the Red Wings' <laughs> second line right now is projected to be that line from Guelph. That's hilarious. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of what everybody's figuring the logical top six will be. You have Zadina, Verona, because they have the chemistry, throw Larkin between them, and then keep the Guelph connection on the second line, and then have all the rest of the slappies in the bottom six. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We were – I was – jacked when the Red Wings signed Suter because he was a guy that when we went into free agency we obviously talked about it a ton on our podcast and I was very I think Ryan and Evan were in the same boat of this isn't the summer to go into free agency find re-sign Mark Stahl for a year find your whatever other left defenseman to plug in which happened to be Jordan Osterley and then find like two or three guys to just fill out the forwards which we assumed would be Sam Gagne which happened and Bobby Ryan who's on a PTO and then that's it don't really go but then when Suter came available we're like his age probably makes him the top target for the Red Wings just because there's a chance that in two three years when the Red Wings are you know, maybe now knocking on the door of the playoffs, he's going to be young enough still. He's going to be useful. He could be a part of the first few playoff runs. Whereas signing, you know, a guy at like a Gabe Landeskog, he'll be, <laughs> he'll be 32 by then. So he's, that's of no value the to point, the Red Wings. Right? Exactly. <laughs> but when we said that, it was also, but, but yeah, the Red Wings aren't going to be able to afford Suter. We thought he would be priced out of Detroit because Stevie's been all about low cap hit low term he's not signing anybody for anything <laughs> no risks right now <laughs> so when when i saw the the suitor news come through that he signed two years three mil my jaw just about hit the floor i'm like well that's a steal even if he just turns into a league average third line center that's still fantastic still value so if he can hold the fort as a second line center that's a massive win and if he's good enough that he sees the rebuild through and he's a usable player. It doesn't even have to be the word. I won't even say valuable. He's a usable player mm-hmm. on the Red Wings first playoff run. It's like, a win. It's a mm-hmm. gigantic win. So yeah, <laughs> that, that was the one I penciled as like, this is what I would do. This is probably what we can't afford, but Holy hell it happened. Yeah. That's, I mean, we were as Blackhawks fans, we were also kind of surprised when we didn't qualify him. And then once we kind of signed our trader for Tyler Johnson, it was like, okay, it makes sense now. But I mean, Suter was fit. Like, he was one of the bright spots on that team last year, every night. Like he, and it wasn't like he was with Kane to bring it every night. They were flipping him through the lineup at the end of the year. He was playing with Strom and someone, and he was still putting up numbers. So, I mean, he's a guy who literally you can plug in anywhere, which I like. I mean, you, you can't have enough of those players. And you see it on teams like Tampa where they got guys you can play wing or center and, you know, plug them anywhere throughout the lineup. And I, I'm very I'm very excited to see what he does in the full season because I completely forgot about Robbie Fabry. And I've <laughs> always been a big Robbie Fabry guy. And I'm, it's nice to see him doing well in Detroit too. So, yeah, he's been playing, averaging about a 50-point pace since he's uh, in his year and very three good. quarters in Detroit. So no complaints there. He, although 100%. he is a 
pending UFA at the end of this year. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. He'll, he'll play to earn his contract or he'll play to uh, be a, or probably be the deadline acquisition that if anything, <laughs> I mean, like I was like, I was, I was looking at the cap friendly. I was like, they got some pretty good guys that could swing around at the deadline. Like Nick Letty's going to fetch you a second or a first. If he's got enough points, <laughs> he's going to be playing more minutes than Heather, any other Red Wings defenseman. Exactly. So, and he's uh, the de facto top power play quarterback right now. So, Prime candidate for a pump and dump. Oh, 100%. And that was like the first thing we all thought when we saw the trade. It was like, man, that's going to be a great deadline acquisition for some yeah. team. And the say, hey, got to hate rebuilds. Acquire great so player. Bad. Can't wait to trade him. Hey, at least you guys actually trade your players. It's not like when the Blackhawks could have literally got the sun and the moon for Eric Gustafson when he had one year left on his deal. And they were just like, no, we're going to make the playoffs. We have to keep him. <laughs> and then, you know, that went so well. So Yeah, yeah the interesting days in oh, the yeah. Hawks front office. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, we won't even get started on that. Um, and then I feel like the number one question everyone wants to know is like, I mean, Murray Sider is going to make the team, I have to assume. And I, I'm curious as to see where he's going to play in the lineup. Um, I, I, I wouldn't think he would get top four minutes, but I mean, there could be a world where Blashel maybe eases him in on the third pair. I'm just curious to see your thoughts on where you'd like to see him play. I wish I had a good gauge on this because talent wise, if you just circle the top four defensemen on the Red Wings and said, that's the top four most siders in there. No doubt. No question about it. Cause the top four defensemen on this team, it's no debate. It's Nick Letty, Philip Ronick, uh, Troy Stetcher and Mo Sider. Downside is three of them play on the right side. So Always one the of it works. <laughs> yeah. So one of them is getting demoted to the bottom one. And, uh, I mean, two of them are playing with Mark Stahl, uh, any two of Mark Stahl, Danny DeKaiser, and Jordan Osterley. So good luck. <laughs> Jordan um, Osterley being probably the best of the three. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I think the top pair is going to be Letty and Heronik, and I think they're going to play close to 30 minutes a night. Oh, and I think the, the other two units are going to be pretty well split. So I don't think it's going to matter a ton because in terms of talent between Sider and Stetcher, Sider is more talented. Oh, yeah. Stetcher's severely underrated uh in my opinion but you know it's he's also been around longer so he should be better yeah he's um, like 27 and, so and then yeah who, who the hell ever they're pair either of them are paired with it's gonna be an anchor so you're just looking for the best bad case scenario here mm-hmm. so yeah i don't know i i think cider is gonna probably get eased in at like 15 to 19 minutes a night depending on situation etc cetera, etc cetera. probably get played a little more at home because he'll be able to get uh, he'll be able to be sheltered a little bit more, but it's worth noting though. He just dominated one of the top leagues Immensely. in the world. So, <laughs> yeah. Ignoring the Red Wings defensive situation. If I just looked at cider in a bubble and said, put him on an NHL team now, right now, where are you putting him? I'm probably putting him on the second pair, right? D I, like whether that's a cup contender or a basement dweller, that's probably his talent level right yeah. now. He's so um, wickedly skilled. Oh my but gosh. God knows what's going to happen. And again, cause he's got the rare advantage for a rookie of probably being more physically developed and stronger than most 100%. of the guys already in the NHL. So it's not going to be a jumping into a man's league problem. Yeah, for him. And it's going to be just a, a pace mm-hmm. uh, issue. That's his only adjustment is, Hey, you have less time than you've ever had in your life. Make quick decisions with the puck and, Sider's an excellent skater. He's an excellent passer. He's got underrated hands, but he's not like an Adam Fox or Kale McCarr out here. So 
I'm curious to see how he will handle NHL level pressure when he has the puck. Every other league he's played in the SHL, the AHL, the DEL, he's been well above average (laughs) in that category. So I have no reason to think it's not going to happen in the NHL, but it is the NHL. So it's probably not going to happen day one. Exactly. And I, I, one thing we talked about on the show a couple of weeks ago um, is um, people just need, I think need to temper their expectations with young defensemen coming in the NHL. Like people, I think, I feel like the average fan thinks Kale McCarr was like 19 when he came in the NHL. <laughs> Kale McCarr was 21. Like yeah. he was, he had three years of college hockey. Like the, the only unicorn I could think of that is like Charlie McAvoy, where he came in at 19 and he was and excelled. He like, was good, but he wasn't anything special at 19. It took him I a couple people, years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, don't get me wrong. Bill Peters is a garbage person, but he had his, his theory on defense is still the best theory on defense I've heard out there. He's like, his saying was always 200 games. You have no idea what a defenseman is at the NHL level until he's played 200 games at the NHL level. So, you know, this, we could get into an argument about Dennis Cholosky on that one. Cause that's my big gripe with the wings organization, <laughs> but I don't think they're going to do the same thing with cider. So we're cider's going to go through two full seasons at that point. We'll probably 100%. have a really good guess what he is, but it'll be that third season where we'll, probably really be able to look at it and go okay yeah this guy's like a top 15 defenseman in the league and we can say that confidently at that point I don't think we'll be able to say that for a while though yeah and like and the best part is he doesn't have to have these massive expectations right out the shoot it's not like he's the piece that's going to push the Red Wings to the playoffs this year like you said it's this is still a growing year and he's not going to have those top responsibilities yet but he'll have time to ease in. And I, I personally think he can, he can do very well at the NHL level as well. But it, it brings me to my next question because I still can't wrap my head around why you guys still have Jeff Blashill. I, I, uh, so I'll, I'll hop on my Jeff Blashill defense first okay. because I, am, I have been a very vocal critic of him. Don't get me wrong. Jeff Blashill seems like a very nice guy. Great guy. Nothing against Jeff Blashill the person. The organization <laughs> loves him. His his players love him, and that's great. And that does speak to a coach. Like you're, you want the people around you to like you because that sounds like bullshit. That matters. <laughs> Can't be um, torts. <laughs> and the argument in his favor is he's never had a good team. We don't know what Jeff Blashill is with talent. I don't personally buy that argument because there's a lot of other barometers for a coach. There's been coaches who have had bad teams who have had successes here and there and yada, yada, yada. My only measurement of success in his tenure. And the only one I wanted to hold him to a standard of is, are, is the team competitive and are the guys that we, that we need to progress and develop as players, are they going in the right direction? And by and large, the answer to those two questions is no, almost universally. There's been the handful of success stories, but a lot of the Red Wings top players and they who came up through Blashill who weren't already here aren't where we thought they should be. Dylan Larkin took a step back the last couple of years after his yeah. breakout year. Philip Ronick took a step back. Uh, they're, they don't play there anymore. Anthony Mantha never became the 90-point guy we thought he should be. And we saw the flashes of it, so we know it's there. Andreas Athanasiu could never be... The, the guy they wanted Dennis Cholosky might be the most mishandled That's a tough one. defensive prospect I've ever seen in NHL history. Um, you know, Philip Zadina is a great player, but 
again, we would like him to be further than he is right now. And I can keep going down the list. And now there are success stories because Heronic regressed this year, but his season before was way above what we thought he would be at that point. So that's definitely a a favor in Blashill's corner. Tyler Bertuzzi, we didn't think he would be a top line player. Here we are, maybe a little bit by default, but he is legitimately (laughs) good. Yeah. So that's very much a check in Blashill's favor, but it's just, in his entire tenure, and somehow he's the third longest tenured coach in the NHL. The Red Wings routinely, routinely get caved. They had a 17-win season, and in that 17-win season, they lost by four more goals. I want to say it was 17 times, so they got blown out as many times as they won. Like, I don't care how you have NHL players. It's a bad team. I get it, but that was not acceptable, and they were getting – above average goaltending that year that's the worst part about all of it too like bernier yeah. was never bad in detroit no bernier <laughs> bernier deserves a statue in front of the building for what he did in his three four years with detroit because he was unbelievable um, but yeah so it's just you, you look at it as a whole and then last year he, he went to this hyper defensive model to kind of stem the or, or plug the ble- bleeding and it kind of worked in the sense that the Red Wings did turn into a league average defensive team. Goaltending again had a <laughs> lot to do with that, but they, they, you could tell they weren't getting caved in their own zone as That's often. <laughs> so when you can have that level of defense without sacrificing the offense, it's a win, except the offense plummeted. It went into a black hole. They were the worst or set. I think they finished 31st in the league in terms of goals for, I think they beat Anaheim out by one goal. Um, and, and, and it's not even that they weren't scoring. They weren't generating chances. They weren't generating offensive zone time. They went uh, 41 power plays in a row without scoring a goal at one point oh, without that's... changing anything on the power play. That... Might I point out? Yeah, that's coaching at that point. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like <laughs> Philip Peronic, I love him as a defenseman. He's a great player. He might be the worst power play quarterback in the NHL, but he was in that spot every one of those power plays, and it never changed. Oh man, he he has a wicked one timer from the left half slot the ov spot he should stand there in the power play and never move but he was the quarterback who was just sending shots into guys shins like (laughs) more than he was even getting ice time somehow it was his shins for 60 were through the roof it was (laughs) unbelievable he was a power he was the best penalty killer for the opposition but he was in that spot every (laughs) single time so and then, oh, you know, I can nitpick Blashill systems. I don't like his breakout. I don't like his four check. I don't like the way the Red Wings transition the puck. All that stuff can be fixed. And I, I get it. You coach to the talent level you have. I agree with that to a bit, but just there's so much negative that I can pull out beyond just the results that for me, I think it's a mistake keeping him around. But here's the beauty of a rebuild. I could be on my ass about all of this. He gets a good team completely changes his philosophy looks like a different coach red wings are winning we're happy who cares an idiot. Yeah. they're right to stick it out yeah there is still a very strong likelihood here that i'm wrong and i'm very excited <laughs> about that possibility i don't think i am or else i wouldn't hold these opinions <laughs> but it's it i mean he had to play darren helm 15 minutes a night over the last couple of doesn't years doesn't have to like, do that anymore like. he doesn't have to do that this, this year is going to be his first test because he's got a very young lineup he oh, doesn't yeah. have that 
hey, I know Glenn Denning, Ernie, and Helm aren't really going to score when they're on the ice, but I also know we're probably not going to give up too many goals when they're on the ice. He doesn't have that luxury anymore. He's got to teach Mitchell Stevens and Giovanni Smith and Michael Rasmussen to be that those guys. Mm-hmm. To be like, hey, when you're on the ice, control the bleeding and maybe chip in a few goals. Maybe let's push the pace a little bit. Let's not just sit in a five-man unit because – I understand the hard defensive system when you have no talent, but if you don't score goals, you're not winning goddamn games. And they didn't score at all last year. So (laughs) they have guys who can put the puck in the net because for all the good defensive uh, awareness is the polite way of putting it that Glenn Denning and Helm had, they couldn't score. Stone hands. (laughs) Yeah. Giovanni Smith and Michael Rasmussen are, are very much fourth line players in the NHL but they have offensive touch. So when they do get down the ice, they can make things happen. So mm-hmm. this is Blashill's opportunity to prove, hey, we can do it both ways now. I can coach a young team. I can coach talent. The Red Wings should take a step forward this year. Not a big one, but they should take a step forward this year. So if that doesn't happen, that's on him. And if and it's tricky too, because they did just upgrade, in theory, their goaltending. So if Nedeljkovic is just saving their ass every night. That doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it's the same thing that's happened the last three years. I don't, it's, yeah. I don't know if to tell you. Um, I, I got one last question before I, I appreciate you coming on again, by the way. Um, yeah, no Pierce problem. and Jimmy wanted me to ask you just what your thoughts were on what the Blackhawks have done this off season. Cause they've done anything but stand pat. Let's just put it that way. I mean, <laughs> okay. So let me, dance around this carefully because i understand you can be brutally honest trust me we spent three months shitting on them so (laughs) i understand what stan bowman is doing i don't want to bring the assault allegations into this because it feels unrelated but to me it's it's related related. it's very related we talked about dan bowman knows he's on the clock he knows that this is probably not going to turn well even if he's not legally culpable still it's it's a horrible horrible look and anything goes wrong for chicago he's gone he needs this team to be good yesterday to keep his job and he knows that so even though i very much believe chicago was still a two three years away from being a playoff team and they should be following the path of a quote-unquote rebuild and then come into it hot like they did yes. in oh eight oh nine yeah. you know yeah. like get, get everyone, everything everyone in place yeah. and then go all in exactly they yeah. weren't there yet no, not even. So close. I understand hmm. what he's doing. Um, you know, I can't even criticize the flurry thing though. They got oh, they, they got gift wrap Mark Andre flurry. They, that's that was, like they, they, yeah, <laughs> you do that a hundred out of a hundred times. So that was yeah. a home run. But that Seth Jones, that that was a mistake. Um, a lot of the other moves they made too soon, too much, too early. I mean, don't get me wrong; they're going to be a lot better. Seth Jones yeah. is a good hockey player. Mark Andre Fleury is a good goalie. Getting Kirby Doc and Jonathan Taze back is going to help. Alex DeBrinket should be better. So, the Hawks are going to be a legit there, yeah. good team. I think they're a fringe playoff team at this point, so that's going to look good for Stan Bowman that they're going <sighs> to shoot up the standings. Even if they miss the playoffs, it shouldn't be by much. But yeah, I think long term, I, I don't so I don't like the way the Hawks are looking right now. They don't have here, here's what the re- situation the Red Wings are in right now. They have all the pieces in place and no holes in their system. We've got right wingers, left wingers, centers. Not that, not enough. Could use another center. They've got lefty, righty, goaltending. 
Mm-hmm. They don't have a, that. They don't have the star. They don't have, this is the guy we're building our team around. Yeah. Patrick Kane's what? 32, 32 going on 33. The Hawks also don't have that guy. And the guys they do have are now in their late twenties, early thirties. You, when, when the core of your team is the age of the core of the Hawks team, you better be in your cup window, not let's get into the playoffs window. So hundred percent agree. Yeah. So are the Hawks going to be better this year? Very yeah. obviously. Yes. Yeah. Are they a cup contender this year? Very Not obviously. Yes. No. Are the Hawks going to be a good team in five years uh, with the way everything's shaped up? Probably not. So I get why Bowman did it, but it was only yeah. for short-term minimal success. I I a hundred percent agree. Uh, we haven't brought it up in months, but what you said about, kind of just trying to redirect from what's going on besides on the ice. Yeah. That's a hundred percent what he's trying to do. And no one really wants to admit it because they can't, when you report on stuff like this, but it's a hundred percent what's going on behind the scenes. It's ridiculous. But I mean, we can only hope for the best at this point. It just sucks because literally not even a year ago, they were like, Oh yeah, we're going to finally go through with this rebuild. Nope. Psych. We're going to trade two first round picks in a second and our best defensive prospect for a guy. And like we had Scott powers on the show earlier this week. And he was telling us how they didn't want Dougie Hamilton because he was being lifted by his competition. Like he was playing better because of his partner. And I was like, man, have y'all looked at the stats when Jones doesn't play over Wenske? Okay. We'll just, we'll just go. It's, it's tough. But. Dougie Hamilton cost zero assets to acquire <laughs> and came in at a lower cap hit. I I won't even get into the argument of who's the better player because with those two points, it doesn't no. even matter. It doesn't matter. It's already over. It's already over. Like it, it like we've, we've accepted that that whole trade contract scenario was like, and the craziest part is it was the punching bag, but then like there was just, it, it overshadowed so many other moves that week that were crazy. Like, I think people forget about the rest of the line in an OEL trades because of what happened with Seth Jones. It's like, yep. oh man. Seth Jones broke the defensive market. 100%. You know how many 100%. teams are screwed now? Because Darnell Nurse is making 9.25. Like, oh God, I love Ken Holland, but am I ever happy he's out of Detroit? Oh man, there's some deals Ken Holland's throwing at it. Like, I love Duncan Keith to death. He's my favorite Blackhawk of all time. He is three years past his prime minimum and he gave up assets for him. No salary retention. (laughs) My best argument after that trade was if Duncan Keith is played 15 minutes a night on the bottom pair, I think he's still a decent NHLer. Can't be playing 20. His coach is Dave Tippett. He's going to play 27 (laughs) minutes a night. I know oh, how that man. organization works. Oh, man. And then, like, Pierce and I were joking. We were like, can't wait for him to get 40 secondary assists playing with McDavid, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, re- the return of Donkey Keith. It's going to be great, 48, man. 48 points and a negative 37. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. But um, so I guess that's the last note I wanted to say is uh, I saw you guys are doing a live show for the, uh, her- or, uh, the Canadians game this year against the Red Wings. And that's just, that's so awesome. I just want to hear kind of, um, the excitement going around uh, what's going to happen that day and stuff. Just like, that's so cool. Like I was looking on your website and I was just like, Holy shit. They're doing like a live show after the game. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Like- I never, never thought in my life I'd see the day where I took a call from the Detroit Red Wings. Cause they wanted to partner with us. So, <laughs> that's so cool. Here, here we are. So yeah, November 13th, uh, Saturday night game against the Montreal Canadians. We're doing a meetup before the game. Uh, we get our own sections, 
sections uh because like god we all we we oversold our tickets That's we had to awesome. open up more sections <laughs> like it's crazy um so yeah everybody gets to sit with us watch a game with us uh yell profanities at uh <laughs> montreal and mark bergevin if he's in the building and yes. um <laughs> after we're doing a live uh recording slash q a thing um That's awesome yeah right now the only hurdle is uh we're not sure if we can get there well like we can <laughs> yeah. get there because detroit's driving distance for us but you can't drive across the canadian american border right now so we're actually gonna have to fly in as of right now because that's a lot so it's a bit that's of an annoying crazy that you can fly but you can't go drive over the border that's uh, on it yeah honestly like we're all double vaxxed we all got like we can give you a negative test we don't care but no we we're gonna have to fly in for this damn wow. <laughs> oh man well that's that's super exciting and uh we can't wait to can't wait to watch it and um i hope everything goes well with that but um thank you so much for coming on the show brad this was great and super informative on the red wings i i'm very excited to see what they do this year at least at least player wise i mean team success we'll see what happens but there's definitely there's bright spots which is exciting yeah team success doesn't matter this year i'm just i'm just excited to not watch helm and glenn denning and phil flood jump over the boards every third shift oh yeah no more franz nielsen i'm sorry franz like the day that franz nielsen contract got signed like five years ago i was like what are they doing <laughs> somehow that wasn't even a top five worst contract signed that day it's an all-timer for free agency but um i think that's gonna do it for us thank you so much for joining and um have a great night brad yeah thanks you too